to a large extent, our success is predicated on our passion and our authenticity. When we present to a buyer, they feel it. Hi babes, Lady Silverstone here and welcome to my podcast where we're trying to demystify cannabis one conversation at a time. In this episode, we're talking about the business side of cannabis, human rights for users and the importance of transparency with our guests today. They are the founders of a premium brand in New York called Her Highness. Classy advocates of the female experience of cannabis and they're definitely bringing sexy back to the community. Let's welcome Alison and Laura. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, how are you? Hello. So nice to meet you. So nice to meet you girls. You know, pandemic, okay. Pandemic, okay, exactly. That's a, that's a new kind of like, okay, that we have to just get used to. Exactly. It's day 70 indoors for us. Day 70. So when, which, when was the date then that you uh, started your lockdown? Uh, I started March 13th was the day my town locked down. Okay. Do you live in the same city? No. Um, I live in Connecticut um, and Laura lives in East Hampton, New York. All right. Okay. Is it is it really far from each other or not? I don't really know too much about the geography in the US, unfortunately. Well, we, so we're, well, I guess I'm further from New York City, but we meet in, you know, before a pandemic, we would meet in the city. So it's about two hours for me to get into New York City. And Allison, I think it takes her probably 45 minutes. But that yeah. was our meeting point. And Allison used to live out here in the Hamptons. Um, so we were in the same place, but she moved away. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's fine with a virtual business. And we both travel to California. We go back and forth to California. So we would travel together and you know, do all our business in California together, which was really nice. So, because you uh, you started it in New York, is that it? Well, we're both from New York. Um, we're both New Yorkers. I've only lived in Connecticut for a short time. Laura still lives in New York. We're very much a New York brand. And when we started devising our brand and designing the look and feel of it, it was just so New York that we decided to just put the name into it and get behind it. So how did you two meet? Do you know each other from a long time already? We know each other through our previous businesses. So we're both entrepreneurs. We started businesses uh, long ago. I started mine in 1998. And I was in the internet. I was a very early internet pioneer in e-commerce fashion and set up a um website property, and then later retail store. And Allison and I met through business. And Allison had her own product that was in home decor. And we kind of came together, um, appreciated each other's success and businesses. And after we both were done with our previous businesses, we kept in touch and we just were talking and knew we wanted to do something together. And what really brought us together was this idea of cannabis and how we could make a huge impact in changing it and bringing it to the audience that we had worked with prior in our businesses. So we were really aligned in that mission and that brought us together. We both have a shared passion for female products, luxury products, cannabis, and creating products um, and positioning them to help women and to further women's issues and cannabis, especially right now. And when we started a couple of years ago, um, is an area where women really can, um, grow. Women are curious about cannabis. Cannabis is fabulous for women and a lot of women don't know. So this was really perfect for us. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. So before we continue there, because I have so many questions about both your brand and about females in the industry generally, because it's such a powerful movement and we are so powerful in it. It's so, it's so uh, inspiring to see. So if you just could make like a, yeah, just like a little introduction, like more about your personal lives, like each of you, like who are, who is Laura and who is Alison? You want to go first? Uh, sure, I'll start. Um, so I'm Alison Krongard. Really, I guess what defines me is my lifelong love of design. Um, 
it's been in every aspect of my life and all my work. And I grew up in a, a family that was very design centric. And um, so my love of design and um, cannabis and who I am as a person, I'm a mom, I'm a single mom. Um, and my life is about creating a world for my kids and raising my kids in the most loving way and um, sharing my tips and secrets for how I do that with other women and trying to um, use my voice and my ability to get the word out about different things throughout my career um, and creating a following and creating loyalty among women buyers um, is really my art. And uh, that's what I'm here to do. Lovely. So, <laughs> I, so I come from a um, design background in the sense of graphic design. I come from a art director background, a creative director background. I was um, lucky enough to be in the publishing industry and offered an art director job at a very young age. Um, from there, I was also given an opportunity to be the creative director of iVillage, which was um, the very first female online community before we even knew what the word community online was. That must have been super interesting to be in that first, to see where it can go and how it will grow. It was incredible. You know, I was ready to learn about the internet. It was a very, it was a man's world at the time. And mostly what existed were these kind of business, um, they were hardly websites, they were called intranet. So they, it was a way to kind of conduct business over the internet. And people weren't yet thinking, you know, aside from Amazon, which of course was so early with just um, books and CDs, that was certainly happening back then. But nobody thought of it as this place where people would come together or, you know, yeah. shop even for something that was more personal. Mm. So iVillage really saw that vision and they worked with AOL very, you know, in the be very beginnings. AOL was one of their investors. And being there just gave me this really quick lesson uh, you know, it was very accelerated. I learned everything that I wanted to know. It was, you know, just my mind was open to just receive all the information. Mm. And at the end of that, I realized coming from fashion editorial that this medium was actually perfect for women to shop for clothing. Mm. So I went on to found my company, which was Girl Shop um, in 1998. And, um, it was a brand new concept. No, you know, I tried to get VC money, and they all said no one's going to ever buy clothing over the internet, and I could not <laughs> oh, get wow. a dime. So I just went ahead with my five thousand dollars and cold pitched some uh, New York designers, including Cynthia Rowley, Betsy Johnson. I got like a group of designers together that really believed in the concept, and I just launched it myself just to see what would happen, and. Um, I actually launched a New York Times style article. They were they got wind of it. They were interested. I wasn't quite ready, but I went for it. I I launched it, and women just were you know emailing. Oh my God, this is amazing! Um, women were ordering. It just sort of took off, and it just made me realize that you know first of all anyone can do that. I did it with five thousand dollars. You know just. People kept saying, oh, I thought about that too. But it's like, you know, you really just have to act on things sometimes. And, you know, I just, I really, I guess me as a person, which I'm just getting away from who I am, but I, um, you know, I'm just open to opportunities. I wanted to learn about the internet. I wanted to, I was like the first one for graphic design to get on the computer when nobody, you know, all the art directors were like, what's this computer? I'm not learning this. So I just feel like I'm, I like to take those risks. I love to learn about things. And then I really, my true talent is to see a white space in a market and to just see, kind of put two things together. Like, you know, there's, this is here, but it's not being utilized, you know, and specifically for women in my case, but, it, you know, it can be kind of reinvented to be marketed to women. And um, that's my strength to realize that and to bring it to fruition. Um, 
Personally, I'm also a single mom. I'm divorced for two years now. And my first business, I partnered with my ex-husband, and we did that for nine years. And um, after that, I really wanted to do something else. And when I would bring up ideas to him, he thought every idea I had was a loser idea and did not support me in any way. And so that was a big reason why I went forward and, you know, got a divorce because I, I, you know, you only have one life. I felt like I really wanted to had already started speaking to Allison. We were so passionate about this and it was what I definitely, definitely wanted to do. But that is really too bad. So like he, he thought that her highness was not a good idea, basically. He couldn't see the the power of it or... He didn't believe in me anymore. That was the ah, problem. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know... Well, you're stronger without him then, obviously, because <laughs> you don't need the, you don't need the, someone that cannot... Because in any case, every risk you take, you know that it's a risk. Otherwise, you wouldn't... Otherwise, you would already have done it without feeling that there might be a challenge and so on. Risks are there and they are risky. That's the whole concept of it. And what you can gain on the other side is either a really successful business and look like Look at you now. I mean, you're having this fantastic company and you're you're selling your products a bit a bit everywhere. Or you could have failed, let's say call it fail, and you could have learned something so big, both of you, and maybe then created something similar but with a different uh, focus or whatever it might be, you would have learned so much. I mm. think that's the key is that if you're not afraid of failure, you can try out everything. So what do you what would you say because obviously there's a lot of people out there that that has the, these dreams and that wants to start something for themselves and I think especially now after this whole corona uh, time when we've been sitting inside we've been maybe having either some people have been laid off or people are working from home or people are just at home not working because they might work in a restaurant or at a place where they have to be physically there and they now had so much time to maybe really rethink their hobbies, their their lives, uh, what they actually might want to do post-corona, let's say. Because there's a pre- and post-corona, to be honest. I mean, the world will never be exactly the same as before. So what would both of you like say to these uh, women and men um, that that really wants to do something but that are scared of, of these risks? Um, I would say that um, from an entrepreneurship standpoint, um, and especially in a time of crisis, it's authenticity and charity that define the companies who survive and do well um, in terms of optics and in terms of business. People start to buy with their heart in times of crisis. Um, that's a business fact. So, you know, people in this moment trying to devise a business idea, I think, is very meaningful because, um, you know, for us, uh, to a large extent, our success is predicated on our passion and our authenticity. When we present to a buyer, they feel it. They get it that when we say we put the time into these formulas because of these reasons, and this is what we needed out of it, and this is what we got. And this is what we're presenting. People really feel our passion and our dedication to our product. So it could be vacuum cleaners or it could be cannabis, whatever your passion is. Um, I think my advice to anyone in this time who's home meditating on what they really want to do, um, it's a perfect time because they are being authentic and they have taken the time. So um, I've written a bunch of articles on this um, over the years. And I always say that um, when you're coming up with a product, you have to believe in yourself, but research, research, research. You know, if, if you can truly convince yourself that your idea is valid by researching it, then you go before you spend a dime you know, you, you do your work. And it's in that research process that I've sort of filtered out some of my great ideas that <clears throat> didn't quite make it to the end um, in that process, which is very valuable to me as an entrepreneur. And this is a great time for that process. 
Um, so I, I feel that a lot of people are taking the opportunity now to rethink, you know, there are so many thought-provoking articles right now um, where it's like when, when things get to somewhat of a normal, what are you going to choose to go forward with and what have you learned and what are you going to change? And I think that a lot of people are not going to go back to their nine-to-five jobs, um, honestly. Um, I think now is a time to, you know, if there was a project that you were considering, now is the time to try it. Um, and it, of course, it depends what that project was. You know, obviously, some things are not going to work in this environment. But if it's something that can be um, reached, especially through the internet, it's a perfect time. And um you know, I think research is super valuable, but in my previous experience, when I'm creating something that doesn't quite exist yet, you know, they say like a good idea, um, there are a lot of people that will think it's a bad idea because it doesn't exist and it's something new. And now, if you're not working, you know, it's like my daughter who's in high school and she, when she realized she's not going back to school in two weeks or a month, she said to me, I don't want to waste my time, you know, and I think that that's true. Like use this time. And if it's in a business way, even better and try it out. You have nothing to lose at this point. Why not try it out now? It's, it's sort of the perfect time. Sorry for interrupting. I hope you enjoy listening so far. Please check out my account Lady Silverstone at patreon.com so I can continue creating cannabis content for you. How and when did you create Your Highness? Her Highness. Her Highness, sorry, Your Highness. <laughs> that is, I'm thinking like Game of Thrones now, maybe. <laughs> it happens all the time. It does, um, but, but her is the keyword. I know, I know, it's so well as well. <laughs> okay, so Her Highness. It sounds so, it sounds so powerful as well. That's the thing. It's such a, it's such a great name. It is. It's, um, her Highness, I mean, I hate to use the word empowerment, but it really is. It's such an overused word, but women, just the name alone, women really just are drawn to it because it says so much. It's, you know, we're elevating women. It's the way that women should feel about themselves every single day. You know, like Allison said before, we really um, bonded over our love for cannabis and we use cannabis in different ways and we kind of um, span the spectrum of women where, you know, I'm more of a occasional user in the fact that I will use it more at night and on the weekends. And certainly I've been using it a little bit more during this time because I'm more stressed and it really does help me. And especially the CBD has been super helpful now. But um, I think at the same time, we both realized that women were completely underserved in the you know, this emerging market, and nobody was really solely focusing on a woman. And I just remember we had been in talks, but there was one day where I was like, I want to get some cute uh, paraphernalia for my home, you know, something chic that I can put out and, you know, leave out on my coffee table. And I looked and there was sparkly pink Hello Kitty, you know, um, tie-dye like I couldn't find anything that was um would fit into my lifestyle and that's when I was like Allison we should definitely do this like it doesn't exist um we we come together with the same mission but we have different skills um Allison is the most amazing product person as far as development you know we really were so aligned and so you know, it was me who, who kind of came to her at a certain point and was like, let's let's do this. And that was, I don't know, at least four years ago. I had sold my business and was working for the, the larger company that bought me and really wanted to get into cannabis. And I started doing my research, which is my process. And I attended this cannabis university program in 
which is like a joke, but, um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, I know it sounded really good. No, it's, it was a total, I mean, really, it was early, early days. And, um, I, what I got out of this basically, um, four day conference was, um, that it was too early to get into growing or transporting or really selling the plant on the East coast at the time. S- such an odd thing to, to, that is like the conclusion of of the whole and it's so it's so weird like i thought this was about like putting us out there and really you know no for okay. me what i what i got from it after listening to all the speakers and listen here they were armed they'd been in and out of prison it was like it was just too early for me to get involved uh, at that time but but i still you know was trying to figure out how to get in so when laura called and had this idea for fine accessories it was perfect um perfect for me um and then once we came together um we started forming relationships in california where we could really get into the plant so we sort of combined this beautiful accessory beautiful presentation idea with the plant and we can actually sell cannabis and so we've built that cannabis business in california so you started in california because it's at that time it was it was not really legal back in New York is that in correct it's yeah. still not legal it's recreationally not legal. in New York we're still waiting ah oh, okay i th- i thought it was yeah that's the thing it's so confusing right because it's not legal on a fed- federal level right right mm-hmm. right so we have to be very careful so we wanted to launch in california because california is the heart of the cannabis world in the US. Yeah. Um, and it's where it's growing. We wanted to pay our respects to that community and be a part of that community. Um, it's also very similar to New York in terms of consumption, although New York is actually a bigger California, which is amazing. Um, but so yes, our plan was to launch in California and then move to every state. We're going to open in Nevada soon. And um, as legalization happens in every state, keep moving across the country. And then while we sell our CBD line nationally and our accessories nationally now. That's that's really, really wonderful. Okay, so you are present in all 11 states already then? Not yet. We launched in California. Um, we are just in about 50 dispensaries and we're on the cusp mm. of getting into the really big dispensaries. We have some soft yeses from the next level. We're just right there. Congratulations. That's great. Thank you. We're really excited. Yes. Um, and then we're from there, we're going to start focusing on Nevada, and then we'll look, hopefully, Michigan, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, and if New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut go legal in 2020, I mean, that's really, really perfect for us, and we're here. Okay, yeah, super exciting. Slogan. Well, most are medical. So there's only, I think, one or two that are still, that have no legal cannabis at all, which is okay. just crazy. Um, yeah. Most are medical. So it's happening. It's on. Yeah. Um, but full recreation is slow going. But I think, mm. you know, one possible outcome of this pandemic where cannabis was deemed essential, yeah. um, it might help. And everyone is, you know, all states are completely cash poor as a result of this event. Yeah. Um, taxes will be way down. Everything is way down. Cannabis is a great way for states to build up their revenue again. So I think it might look very appealing. Because I heard, uh, I think it was yesterday, isn't it like 39 million people now that are unemployed or lost their jobs? It's a staggering figure. It's like the Great Depression. (sighs) Yeah. Being two women in business, like what do you, what do you guys feel is the worst, not the worst, like what is the hardest, let's say, challenge that is something that might, might still be very... It might have nothing to do with gender, but but something in the in the cannabis industry that is still really hard to to um, to penetrate. What are the biggest challenges? I mean, I, there are so many challenges. I, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> where do we start? I, yeah, do you want to start or shall I start? <laughs> the industry is full of challenges. I mean, I you know, just in general, I think it's um it's difficult for women. It's more difficult for women um to raise money. And you know, I think we've had a hard time doing that. We've been lucky at the same time, but we, we, you know, we're always fundraising and we're so lean and mean. We're two women. That's it. That 
we, um, you know, it's it doesn't tend to be our main focus. And I've done lots of research on this. I was involved in another business where um, we help women launch and grow their businesses. And that is a huge issue for all women. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just they're not a, as aggressive as men. There's, you know, still this man's club of investors. Um, so I'd say, you know, that's a huge challenge aside from the more specific challenges to cannabis, which there are many. Mm. Um, you know, I'll let Allison step in for some of those. But, we, you know, we've weathered so much. We've found our way somehow, but we've been hit with so many challenges. And we've, because we're women, I feel, we've been able to pivot out of things and come up with new solutions. And, you know, I think women are excellent at that. Um, but yeah, Allison, if you want to talk about the specifics of um, the industry. Yeah. I mean, I would say for me, my biggest challenge is probably less about being a woman and more about being a type A New Yorker. That when I go to California, I like to book my schedule back to back. I get anxious if there's time being wasted where I could be meeting someone. And I find, especially in cannabis, which I did not experience in normal industry where I came from, you make an appointment with someone and it's maybe, maybe not, you know, you know, it's like I've had to learn to 15 minutes before check. Are you there? Are we still on? You know, it's as an extra layer of work to make sure people are as dedicated about their business Mm. as the kind of energy we bring to it with our East Coast mentality. Is that because, uh, sorry to interrupt, like, do you think that's because the industry is so new and maybe there's a lot of people going in it just for the, because it's a booming industry and that's why they maybe don't have like the real heart for it? Or do you think, like, what what do you think is the reason for that? I think people are high. I think people are, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, it's an old school industry. Like the people with the real information and the real contacts, the people Mm. I really like to meet with. Yeah are the OG, you know, long-term people. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, the veterans um, here in the yeah. business, yeah. And, you know, it's sort of when I meet with the Wall Street people who have come in, like, no problem. You know, everybody has the same attitude. But no, growers or manufacturers or buyers, a lot of buyers who own or who are the dispensary owner who went from the legacy market transition to the legal market, still have legacy um, attitude and mentality, which is the other thing that I would say is very difficult because there's a sense of paranoia, a Mm. sense of lack of trust and energy that is from the legacy market that until, you know, and I feel it and I've gotten it from people where they're like, oh, new people, no. Oh, Um, okay. And until they get my authenticity, which, you know, I've kind of got that down now to convey what speaks to people. You know, I joined the cannabis party at 18. I'm almost 50. I'm more OG than half the people I'm talking to. And I, you know, I, you know, once they get that, I actually love the plant like they do and I understand it, we can get past that. But there's definitely some energy that's a little standoffish. Yeah. Um, that I would say, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or it's just an aspect of the cannabis industry now um, mm-hmm. or as a newcomer coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I oh, think wow. that's a really good point. We, you know, as people enter the industry from other industries, it's really bettering the business part of it. Like we, cannabis needs all of that, needs that um, experience, um, the energy, everything mm. that, you know, and, and so... I, I think things are progressing and changing in a good way. Yeah. But yeah, there are always, there are some OGs that are really open to it and they see the opportunity and then others that, you know, are sort of stuck in that old school mentality. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very interesting. It must be very interesting to see, like, like you say that these people, sometimes you're working with, with people from, from Wall Street and then all of a sudden you have a meeting with, this grower that has been doing it for 30 years. And then you're right. going to mix these two people into your part that you, and you need to be in the middle of these two people, you know? I mean, it's, it must be very, um, I mean, both interesting because it's, it's a whole new world, especially from you two who already have your, you already have your pace. Like you already been in, in this, like the industry of, 
of beauty and products for a long time. And for them, they have been growing and living the life of a, of a grower, of a farmer for, for years. And it's a complete different pace, which I totally understand. I mean, he, right. that person cannot have a scheduled, um, scheduled day like, like we do and we need. Um, so yeah, it must be very interesting to see those like two very different, uh, parts of the inter- industry. But those two parts when merged together can really create what we're looking for in the future of the industry. So for us to have a true passion and love for the plant and also a passion and love for business um, together makes us a little bit different. You know, a lot of the executives in the industry are expert growers or seed hunters or whatever they do, they do what they do. And now they're looking for a market for it. Mm. We sort of already identified our customer before we started creating product. So we came at it in a very traditional business way, which has given us a major um, boost and helped us get a full product line for very little money out mm. on shelves and to market, you know, using our other skills in the cannabis industry. Well done, girls. I wanted then, because now I, I heard uh, Laura mention her um, initial relationship to cannabis. And I just wanted to ask you as well, Alison, like what was your relationship to cannabis before you, you created Her Highness? I have always had a great love of cannabis um, since college. So um, I used it in very different ways at different times in my life. I used to use it very, very lightly um, for many years, just on the weekends. Um, It always just sort of increased the joy in my life. Whatever I was doing that was good, it made it better. I used it more heavily in my 20s um, and then had little kids in my 30s, um, so used it much less. Um, and it wasn't until I sold my company and worked for the company who acquired me that I felt depressed and miserable having gone from a very creative, forward-thinking, and um, fast-paced environment um, that I was running to being a part of a very slow-paced um, old-fashioned corporate environment. It was very depressing. And the women who worked there were very depressed and heavily reliant on alcohol and pills and very comfortable talking about it, which was so interesting. Like I could never say, oh, I'm going to smoke a joint, but they could say, oh, I drank a whole bottle of wine myself. And then people giggle about it. Like, oh my God, did you? Right. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, how funny your liver's trashed. And, um, It was in that experience and the experience for me transitioning from a very positive environment to a very dark environment that I started using cannabis for this new anxiety that I felt for the first time in my life, depression. I I had never, even bad things that happened in my life never got me down. I never felt down before. Um, and I was down, like I needed to smoking so that I could leave my house to get on the train and go to that place, made it possible to go there. And in that time, I realized I I sort of started, I had a different relationship with cannabis. It became my medicine for the first time. And, um, during my divorce, I couldn't use cannabis because it's illegal here. So my doctor gave me a prescription really popular anti-anxiety pills. And for the first time in my life, I felt like a junkie. Like it affected my body so strongly. I grew up on organic food. I never take medicine. So my plant medicine had always been my medicine, but it wasn't until I got scared by the system that I started taking in real drugs that um, like I would have to sleep I'd have to plan time to sleep if I needed to take an anti-anxiety pill, whereas before I could take two hits off a joint, chill out, and move on. So that experience and the experience of, because this sort of happened around the same time of working at this corporation, um, cannabis sort of filled in all these other aspects of my life, and my passion and love for it even grew more, and my passion and need to use my voice to get the message out to other women who are suffering and treating their suffering with cannabis, with uh, alcohol and pills, that there's a better way. 
And um, so once I had a clean slate, I, my company was sold. I had done my time with the company who acquired me. My divorce was done. That's really where I wanted to put my energy and my love. Yeah, very uh, both emotional and yeah, I mean, it's because it's 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 a very unfair journey that you had to make. Do you see what I mean? Like you had to go through something that you didn't even want to put in your body in order to mm-hmm. yeah, just be able to, to have your kids, right? Because that can be a very hard thing, right. right, in a divorce. Oh my God, terrible. That was, that would have, that would have ruined my life. Is it common that uh, that the parties use that against each other in a in a divorce, for example? That yeah, that this person is using. Yes, absolutely. It happens all oh, the time. Wow, that's so nasty. But I'm very happy that that it didn't happen to you. But also, I mean, you were smart. You knew from the beginning that that could happen. So doing anything to uh, to avoid that, at least. Okay. So question for both of you, being mothers. How is it in the States? Do you feel that you can openly talk about it? Or how is it with other other children's parents, for example? Like, do they come with comments or, yeah? Well, you know, I think it's it's interesting. I have a teenage daughter and that makes it even more interesting because as the teenagers want to experiment with marijuana, that brings up a whole other issue. So, you know, I'd say over the past few years that we've been working on this, I've seen such a difference in attitude from the parents as far as using it in a responsible way for themselves and the acceptance of it and the um, curiosity about education. I talked to all my mom friends who And I think the thing with women who don't know the plant so well, when they think about pot, they think about when the last time they either smoked it or had an edible, which was probably a bad edible experience where I've had them too. You know, you you you're unsure of your own dosage and the dosage of the edible. You've taken it, it hits you, you're in too far. We Women, I think particularly, don't like to have that loss of self-control. It's happened to me. And I think women, when they think about cannabis, they think about their last experience. And and it could kind of um, deter them from trying it again. And so I spend a lot of my time working with my mom friends who are definitely curious and I start them off with one of our mints, which is a low-dose mint that is 2.5 milligrams, and that alone completely changes their mind. You know, if they can try this, it get because it doesn't really get you high per se, but it it allows you to be yourself but better. And when when they try that, they're just they're in because it's a good feeling. You know, it's not a feeling of loss of control or anything. And all it does is bring happiness to them. So, you know, I've seen a real change of attitude. I still think there are stigmas. And of course, you know, people, you know, you can't talk about getting high the way that you talk about having a drink. You know, it's, it's you know, baffling that that's still going on. But, I, you know, for me, being a mom, that's the real difficulty is how do you... Um, talk about cannabis in a smart way and you know you have a child who's right on the cusp of experimenting and how do you make that distinction and how do you make it a responsible choice for them i just find that super challenging and i don't have the answer yet but that's some um, that's a real thing that i'm dealing with and the other thing i'll say about me personally and my family is i also have an 11-year-old daughter who First of all, they are both so supportive of my business. And that's, you know, going back to my divorce and my husband being not supportive. They see me building this business from nothing and are so impressed and are with me every step of the way. And it's just, it's so refreshing. And I'm as honest as possible about the product. But my 11-year-old, when she saw the vapes and there was the vape crisis and she said, Mom, I don't think anyone should have smoke in their lungs. You know, it's like they bring up these really profound, innocent 
you know, statements. And, you know, as a mom, it's really challenging to explain things and explain the world and, you know, and it leads into drugs and why this is different. And it's, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I'm up for the challenge, but it's there. It's, you know, with the kids. I would say about the stigma um, and other parents, I'm always nervous when people ask me what I do, especially at school when teachers ask me what I do at our first meeting, or my daughter just switched schools at their school interview and they ask me what I do. But I feel like in order to break the stigma, normal, suburban, normal-looking Moms need to come out and say it. And so I do. And what I learned last year, I felt a lot of anxiety about saying it. Um, But what I learned in just saying it was that everybody is, oh, well, my brother just invested in this, or oh, I'm so, oh, I have a plant at home, or, uh, you know, so really, um, I was so afraid to tell other parents because my first thought was nobody's going to let me drive their kid and then I can't ask them to drive my kid and that doesn't work with my busy mom schedule. So that was my thought. Um, But once I just pushed myself to, and, you know, on social media, we are very much trying to come out and be authentic. We are weed moms. This is the face of the weed mom. I'm on time. I'm at every pickup on time. I am always organized. My children are always, you know, my daughter's a straight A student. My son, not so much, but it's not because I'm a weed mom. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, to come out as, you know, and people always say, um, like, oh, I had no idea that you smoke. I would never think that you smoke. Um, and I love that because that's, that's the stigma breaking exactly. right there. So by coming out and having the courage to say, yes, I'm, this is my industry and I'm a weed mom and I'm doing it because of how I feel about this plant, yeah. I've gotten a great response from other parents. That's amazing. I'm very it's happy. Hard. I definitely yeah. agree with that. I actually love saying that I have a cannabis business mm. because I'm so curious of people's reaction. And you know, when it's true. When we say it and people know who we are and we're good moms, it really does change the stigma. Yeah. And it will when more moms are confident saying that as well. Have you ever had uh, another parent say, I mean, give you uh, uh, something like, okay, I don't want your, your kids to, to come to our place or I don't want to let my kid be with your kid or some, anything like that? I haven't. Never, never. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Never. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's advanced, actually. You know, that could have happened years ago. Um, but I think, I think I was more quiet about it years ago. But I'm so out and proud right now. And cannabis is a viable business. And people are interested in it. Yeah. I've, not, I've not gotten that reaction. And I don't think that, um, you know, it's not like people are seeing us stoned on the street. It's more mm. that we're... We present ourselves as responsible moms. So, you know, no one has that feeling about us personally. And the fact that we're in the business is, I think, curious. Yeah. I've only heard people wanting to know more. Or wanting to invest because <laughs> people do recognize that, you know, prohibition is ending in our lifetime. I mean, this is amazing and the possibilities are enormous. So it's sort of turned into like, are you a drug dealer to, oh, you're a really smart businesswoman. Um, Although I have to say, like, I've, I've heard not comments to myself, but parents don't necessarily want it to be legal when they're thinking about their teenage child. You know, I've heard that a lot where it's, they're not on board necessarily because they think it's irresponsible. But that comes back to parenting, really. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, what I tell my kids and what I, I, we had a big thing at school about drugs and they actually put cannabis in with the discussion of heroin and cocaine. And I stood up and said, if I'm asked to leave, send my daughter outside. Um, But, you know, because, and I had to say that actually, Cannabis belongs with alcohol in this discussion. It doesn't belong with cocaine, no. heroin, crack, and the and the and pills and quaaludes and all the things that they were grouping it with. And it was really hard to say. 
Um, and my message to the kids was, I, you know, I don't, I choose not to use alcohol personally, but I don't think it's bad. I think in moderation, it's fine. Plenty of people enjoy it. I, the same with cannabis in moderation, it's fine. Plenty of people enjoy it. Both of these two will be available to you as an adult, but they're not great for a young mind. So I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying they're bad for you in this moment. Just wait. It'll, they'll always be there. Cannabis has been around since ancient Mesopotamia. Alcohol's not going anywhere. It's all there for you. Just wait. Um, that's what that's what I say to kids, and that's what I've said at school. And it's hard, but other parents get that. But it's really good that that you do that because for the first, I don't think a lot of parents feel that they can actually say it because even though they might feel that way they don't feel that they can maybe back it up like you can who has done a lot of research and you guys have the brand and all of these things it 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 gives you something to fall back on and say that hey I have gone through all of these things to make sure that I know the business I know where it's going it's going to be safer and safer because regulating cannabis it's it's just making it safer thankfully oh it's cleaner than the lettuce on in your salad I mean Cannabis is squeaky clean. I wish, actually, that our other products came with a COA. I would like to know what's in my beauty products. I wish when I shopped for products, especially that I was going to consume or my children would consume, I could have the COA as well. And I wish the berries that we eat were as pesticide-free. Even organic berries have pesticide. You know, I wish our food was as clean as cannabis. So We really are backwards. We're too strict with cannabis and too lax with everything else. So true. And it's actually when you say like that, we are taking it for granted somehow that our blueberries are good for us. And we have no idea how how much vitamin C or whatever vitamins are, are in blueberries, which is assumed that it's good. While when it comes to cannabis... We are super, and which is good, but we should do it with everything else. We should do it with our skincare products, with our food. Our baby food. I mean, the food that we feed babies is disgusting. I, the jarred baby food, like if you've ever dug into those ingredients, that should come with a COA. But, you know, the big cultural shift would be required. Dear listeners, if you like what you hear, please check out my Patreon. The link is in the description here below. Only if you're able to, of course. Now, let's get back to our guest. I really love that I can find the COA under your products on your website. That is something that a lot of products or brands, sorry, don't they don't provide that. I don't know if it's out of uh, maybe you have to ask many many will give it to you if you ask for it but putting it out there directly for for the customer because when they are discovering you you want them to be able to see directly that you're transparent that this is this is what you get for if you buy the cbd oil or this facial oil or your vape pen that you have for example you want them to know directly so they don't get like because you can easily get put off by a brand when you feel that like cute There's no about page. There's no COA. Like, you know, you, f- you feel that it's fishy directly. And your brand and your website is so, it's so clear. There's no question marks really. So how did you feel like when you started it? Was that a part of your, was it important for you to put that in for a specific reason? Do you, do you have to have it? I mean, we don't have to have it. Our, you know, we are marketing to women. Women care about ingredients that go into their bodies. And we aim to be the trusted resource for women in cannabis. So it's everything to us. You know, we're transparent. We want women to be so comfortable, aside from educating them about the product, which we do in a girlfriend-to-girlfriend tone so that We're their friend in cannabis. So the quality is so important to us. Um, We've gone to great lengths when we do our formulations, when we select our hardware. In fact, our vape pen, we've... We coded the... Before it was even a thing, because I still don't think anyone really does this, the entire interior is um, medical-grade stainless steel. 
and we use a ceramic coil. Only the oil that you inhale at that moment is being heated so it's not reheated over and over, which deteriorates the oil. So every single um, detail, every decision we've made thoughtfully to um, just make sure that women know that we've got their back basically. And, you know, we're not creating anything that we wouldn't put into our bodies ourselves. So it's everything to us. And I'm surprised, like, I feel like most of the reputable CBD companies um, do show their COAs because the way that CBD is for some people, they say it's a snake oil and you can order it on Amazon and you could order a product that says it has a certain amount of CBG and when tested has zero, you know, too little. Um, you know, I wouldn't order anything unless I knew exactly that it had been tested and it had exactly what it was saying that it had in there. It's so important. I think that's um, to create a reputable brand. I mean, I don't see any other way to do it. That's, you know, you've got to back up what you say that you're doing. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we couldn't be your trusted girlfriend in cannabis unless we supplied products that we would use. And we want to give our personal friends what we want our daughters to use, what we want to use ourselves. So yeah, it's, it, there's never you know, also coming from cannabis and being a legitimate cannabis company, because to Laura's point, a lot of these CBD sellers are just selling hemp seed oil, or there's too little CBD, it's nothing like what they say it is. Um, but coming from cannabis and the regulatory environment that we are used to sort of lends its authenticity to our CBD line, um, that we're treating it with the exact same care that we treat our THC line. Do you have both CBD and THC? Do you have more of, do you focus more on the CBD? CBD, we focus on for nationwide sale and THC, we focus just in California right now, but we're spreading into Nevada and looking at other states. So our master plan is to sell super high-end, lovely CBD products nationwide, introduce our brand to women nationwide while, um, bringing THC where we can. And so as legalization happens, when we bring THC to a new state and women walk into a dispensary and feel that um, unwelcome, unfamiliar, don't know the strains, have no idea what they're looking at, but if they see our brand in our box and, oh, that's my friend, they know where to go. Every step you take is still, is still untouched ground in a, in a way, which is super exciting. Where are you? Are you're in um are you in Denmark? Germany? I'm in, I'm in Germany. Actually oh. in Spain. But good guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> good guess. But you have a German accent. <laughs> I, I'm from Sweden actually, and then I lived in France wow. for a few years and then in Indonesia for a few years and now I'm in Spain. Wow. Okay. Where are you in Spain? It's like a few hours south from Barcelona. Okay. Very nice. It's really yeah. nice. It's beautiful. Are you? City. Is it along the water? Is it close to the shore or not really? Is I'm living three minutes nice? from the from the beach. Oh wow! Oh, Lovely. Nice. I love Spain. That's awesome. I've been, and I have some Spanish blood in me. So. Oh, you do? Yeah. Um, um, I've traveled. You know, I've been to Barcelona and Madrid and um. Granada and um, along the coast, the southern coast. So I, I've traveled a bit, but I haven't been in a long time. You know, we've been, most of our travels have been cannabis and kind of um, back and forth to California. But actually, it's funny because we, um, with my family, my parents and my brother and his family, we booked a cruise <laughs> a mediterranean cruise that we're supposed to go on in late june oh uh, this year canceled uh, yeah <laughs> yeah but you know it was originating in rome and we were well we were supposed to stop in barcelona oh, as well and just so kind nice. of go along the mediterranean coast so i was due to visit spain and i'm gonna miss it but oh, that's yeah. such a lovely place for you to be how nice Aren't you just like shocked still? I mean, even us like outside the US, we're still shocked that like, how could he even get elected? You know, when you really think about it, it's crazy. He could be uh, reelected. I mean, that's not off the table. Yeah. No, it's, I, it's I shocking. I can't even. I mean, I, I was in the car last night with my daughter and she was saying something about British politics and I was 
I was like, yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Now we can't say anything about anybody ever again. I mean, what's happening in this country is so backwards. We've totally lost the right to criticize any country in the world ever. Mm -hmm. There's just, I mean, it's, I can't read the news anymore. It's such an abomination. It's just horrifying. And we just can't fight every wrong all the time. Sort of, we have our mission. Um, our company has a mission, but when maybe one day when we're super wealthy and done, I, I, you know, I definitely have an eye towards politics and helping to change what's happening in this country is so disgusting. That is also amazing because you can, you can really do that right in the US. I mean, I mean, obviously we see that with Trump, that you can come from wherever you're from, you can come and obviously become a president, which is Which is great, and that's what the U.S. really has. That is one of your strengths, that you actually have this as a possibility, but it can also uh, be very tragic, as we see now. It can be, yeah. But that's, yeah. yeah. I don't know what who it says a lot about. I don't know, maybe it's... Because L.A. or, or California in general... You have all this this big place in New York and so on. I mean, don't that's not the the general American person. You know, there there are states in the U.S. that are um, sort of um, their politics is um, inherited. You know, uh. people don't sort of revisit what's really happening. They sort of vote for whoever their granddaddy voted for, and oh, okay. so it sort of goes like that. Yeah, it's really identity. I, you know, yeah. I really don't know. I mean, we're so we're so New York centric, yeah. which is a democratic state. More educated states in the United States are the democratic states, yeah. and then the less educated states tend to lean Republican. And it's just a statistic that's real. Yeah. So that's what you get. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, for me, this the scarier part is the is the people. Like, aside from Trump. He sort of opened the door for all these people that support anything he does, yeah. but they also are bigots. And it's like he's made it okay to be these things that were never okay in America. Yeah. And that's really what's scary to me. And now we see it. You know, we're New Yorkers and, you know, really the states along the coast, the both coasts are more sophisticated. But yeah, that's only part, that's only a small part of the country. Yeah. And to just really have that in the open that these people, you know, and see them doing these terrible acts. And I don't know, yeah. I, it's just beyond. It's it's not what I grew up to know America to be. You know, and I think also, you know, because I spent a lot of time in Europe and looking at America then compared to now, it's, you know, we've just lost so much respect because what we were known to be has changed and he changed all that. So it's super upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope that there's a feeling in Europe and the rest of the world that Trump doesn't represent the American people. No, that, that I think is very clear. I think from here in Europe, the talk has been more, I mean, we realize how how unf already it was very it was very um what do you say when it was really even between them right hillary and trump it was quite even mm -hmm. so i mean we just knew that like except she had more votes she oh. had the popular vote yeah. just not the way our system works yeah. i was explaining to my daughter the other day but yeah she had the popular vote but yeah. even the fact that it was so close is upsetting to me <laughs> that's the thing yeah and i remember I remember that night, you know, I didn't, I couldn't even stay awake, but I woke up in the morning, looked at my phone, Trump was president. I, oh my God. Yeah. I just thought it was a joke. I know. I thought it was yeah. a joke. I could not believe and like it. people were in mourning. Yeah. You know, it it yeah. just was the most unbelievable thing. Surreal. That happened. Yeah. Surreal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if North Korea gets a female leader before the United States, we'll feel even more yes, backwards. Yes, 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 which might happen, right? I know. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. So sad. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, well, this has been a pleasure. It was so nice to meet you. Really nice to yeah. meet you, girls. This is lovely. Thank you so much. We come back anytime. Yes, that yeah. would be really nice. That would be lovely. So have a really, really nice weekend. And enjoy your yes, Friday weekend. Yes, I know. <laughs> you Finally. too. <laughs> Have a lovely day, babes. Yes, you, you too. too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to my social channels and rate this podcast. And if you would like to support me a little bit extra, it would really mean the world to me. So check out my Patreon profile that I linked in the episode description. It's all thanks to your support that I can continue talking, writing, recording and making more cannabis content for you and our amazing community. Have an awesome day and lots of love.